Camp Fear, the podcast, is a PTL Books and Pathological Inc. production. Hello, campers. Welcome to Camp Fear, where you bring your fears and leave in tears. Now, come closer. No, closer still. Yeah, stay warm here by the fire. I want to tell you a story. You like stories, don't you? I love stories. And do you know what makes the best kinds of stories? The ones that are true. And I only tell true stories. So listen up, because today I'm going to tell you a story about the dangers of having a pet. You see, pets are a lot of work. You need to train them, feed them, and clean up after them. But maybe even more importantly, you need to make sure that they behave, that they don't hurt anyone. Little Riley has always wanted a pet, but her dad would never allow it. So she finds a way to get one on her own. Except Riley truly doesn't appreciate just how much work having a pet really is. Warm yourself by the fire and enjoy this true story I like to call Pet. Part 1. Chester No, Riley. Like I've told you dozens of times before, you can't have a pet. I tilt my spoon, allowing the cereal and milk to spill back into the bowl. I know that I can't have a dog or a cat, but what about a mouse, a gerbil, hamster? Riley, no. You can't have a rodent. Why would you even want one? I try to drown my Cheerios with no success. But Mom let Leo... Well, I'm not Mom, and you live with me and not her. What she lets your little brother do is up to her. My dad crosses his arms. I want to protest further, tell my dad how unfair this is, but I know that the only thing that will get me is grounded. And I don't want to be grounded. Being grounded means I won't be able to watch TV or read any of my books. And ever since my mom left with my brother, those are the only friends I have. Which is the main reason why I want a pet. There'll be someone to talk to, even if they can't talk back. I'll be home late tonight. I'm working a double. My dad is dressed in his doctor uniform. And although I'm not exactly sure what a double is, I think it's a type of coffee. I know what it means. My dad won't just be home late, but really late. I'm talking after midnight late. He walks over to me and gives me a kiss on the cheek. After school, Aunt Mary will be here to look after you. If you're lucky, maybe she'll bring Chester. I nod and smile, but inside, I'm not happy. Not only is Chester a fat, smelly cat, but the one time I tried to talk with him, he scratched me deep enough to draw blood. And Aunt Mary? Well, Aunt Mary is fat and smelly too. Even though she's never scratched me, yet, she's about as interesting to speak to. Just like my dad said, Aunt Mary was waiting for me after I got home from school. She brought Chester with her, but I can't see the cat anywhere. For dinner, we had Mary's mystery meat and stale potatoes, which I was forced to eat. I managed to hide a bit of both in my napkin, which I slip into the garbage without Aunt Mary noticing. I'll be hungry later, 
but that's why God invented cereal. After dinner, Aunt Mary plops down in front of the TV with her feet up. I sit beside her for a little while, but she refuses to watch anything other than the news. Predictably, after less than half an hour, she starts to snore. From past experience, I know that an atomic bomb wouldn't be able to wake Aunt Mary once her snoring starts. She'll be in a coma until my dad returns from his double, whatever that is. I go to my room and flop onto my bed and get through three chapters of my book before my stomach starts to grumble. It's not even eight yet and I'm starving. Rising from my bed, I lean into the hallway and listen. Aunt Mary is still snoring. It sounds like a rusty chainsaw starting up. I take a step towards the kitchen, and now I can see her round face, which is blue from the TV glow. The news is still on. Moving quietly, I grab a bowl from the cupboard and fill it with cereal. Then I make my way to the fridge, only to stop before opening it. Chester is there, his fat orange body blocking the door. Move out of the way, Chester. The cat doesn't move. It just hisses at me. Come on, Chester, get out of the way. I need to get milk. The cat hisses again. I reach down, wanting to gently move the cat aside when Chester lashes out. For such an out-of-shape animal, the speed at which he moves surprises me. So much so that I don't manage to pull my arm back fast enough. Chester's nails slice my wrist. Ow, stupid cat. The cut isn't deep, but it still draws blood. I give up my pursuit for cereal and head to the bathroom to clean the wound. I get some wet tissues and a band-aid and bring them back to my room. As I dab at the blood, I lean out the open window. I guess that means no cereal for me. If my arm wasn't hurting from the scratch, I probably would have noticed a mosquito that landed on my wrist. Probably would have also killed it before it extended its spear-like mouth to my skin. But because I am distracted, I don't see it until it's too late. I draw my hand back, intent on squishing it, and then I stop. There is something beautiful about this mosquito, the way its tiny wings flutter as it jabs its mouth through my skin. My hand still hanging in the air, ready to slap. Something my dad said suddenly flashes in my mind. Riley, no. You can't have a rodent. He told me I can't have a dog, cat, fish, or rodent. But he never said anything about mosquitoes. In that instant, as the mosquito continues to suck my blood, I realize that I might have found the pet that I've always wanted. Part two, Mo. My dad is so tired in the morning that he doesn't even notice a bandage on my wrist. Did you have a good time with Aunt Mary last night? Yeah, sure. I eat my cereal, all the while staring at my wrist. I can't believe that stupid cat scratched me. That's good, because I have to work another double tonight. I'm sorry. I slurp the Cheerios off my spoon. Aunt Mary's coming back? Yes, she'll look after you again. That's okay, I don't mind. My dad looks at me strangely because he knows that I do mind, but I don't want to give him a hard time. He works hard, 
very hard. And in truth, tonight won't be so bad because they won't be lonely. After I finish my cereal, I head back to my room. Hi, Mo. Mo is what I name my mosquito. Might be a boy's name, but she looks like a Mo to me. She's inside a glass jar with a lid that I used to keep my markers in. As I approach, the mosquito flies right up to the glass to greet me. I tap the glass and smile. And then, moving slowly so as not to scare my new pet, I unscrew the top and open it. Part of me thinks that Mo is going to fly away, buzz out the window from which she entered. But she doesn't. She just hovers in the air, watching, waiting. I pull the bandage on my wrist back and frown when I see that the scratches have started to scab. But as I squeeze my fist, a small portion of the scabbing splits and a dot of blood forms on my skin. Go on, Mo, drink. Mo buzzes in the air for a few seconds before landing on my skin right beside the fresh blood. Although I can't see her eyes, they're too small, I imagine that they're looking up at me. It's fine, Mo, you won't hurt me. Drink. And then, slowly, almost delicately, Mo dips her spear into my blood and begins to drink. I wasn't lying. It doesn't hurt one bit. I don't think I've ever been this excited to come home from school. My home is usually boring and lonely. Hi, Aunt Mary. The woman grumbles something from her chair. But I don't stop to hear. I pass Chester, who is once again blocking the fridge. He hisses at me, and I hiss back. I hurry to my room, then immediately rush to see my new pet. Good afternoon, Mo. I hope you had a nice day. I'm surprised to see that Mo is bigger now. In fact, Mo is no longer a tiny mosquito. She's roughly the size of a quarter and getting thicker. When I approach, she flies to the glass, her wings making a tinkly sound as they brush up against it from the inside. You've grown! My hands are shaking as I open the lid. When Mo exits the jar, she sounds more like a hummingbird than a mosquito. Soon I'm going to need a bigger jar. I peel back the bandage on my wrist, and Mo doesn't hesitate this time. She goes right for the blood and starts to suck. I can almost see the spear getting thicker as she slurps my blood. I let her gulp for a good minute before I start to get dizzy. Mo seems to be bigger now, bigger than just a few minutes ago, but I know that can't be. Can it? No more, Mo. No more for now. Mo takes a little more encouragement to finally stop drinking, but when she does, I can tell she's still thirsty. I usher her back into the jar and close the lid. Then I go to the bathroom to get a mini cup of water. I fill it, then place it in the jar with Mo. She probably won't drink, but I can't give her any more of my blood. I need some for myself. Dinner! Riley! It's dinner time! Oh, so you're awake now, Aunt Mary. How nice. Coming! It's gonna get cold. The only thing worse than my Aunt Mary's cooking is her cooking after it gets cold. I rush to the kitchen and swallow whatever slop is on my plate. I eat so fast that I don't even taste it. Aunt Mary makes me do the dishes, which I complete in record time. Only then am I allowed to go back to my room. 
I'm smiling when I enter, but this happiness doesn't last long. The lid is off the jar, and Mo is nowhere to be found. I must have forgotten to put it back on after placing the water inside the glass. Mo, you here? Where are you, Mo? I can't hear her wings beating. With tears in my eyes, I rush to my open window and look outside. Mo is gone. Crying now, I lay on my bed and stare at the ceiling. My first pet, my only pet. I cry for so long that the sun starts to set and I begin to get hungry again. When I'm hungry, there's only one thing that I want to eat. Cereal. Wiping my eyes, I head into the kitchen, completely ignoring Aunt Mary's snores. Like yesterday, I fill my bowl with cereal and then go to the fridge for milk. Once again, I freeze. There is a cat blocking the door. Only, it isn't Chester. What the heck? This new cat is the same color as Chester, but only about half its size. Loose orange fur puddles around the cat's paws. It can't be the same cat. But as I reach for the door, it hisses at me in the exact same way Chester did, bearing its same pointy teeth. Chester? Chester doesn't swipe at me this time. He just crawls out of the way, dragging its fur behind him like an orange carpet. It's only after I fill my bowl with milk when I hear it. A sound nearly as loud as Aunt Mary's snoring. The sound of large wings fluttering in the air. I whip around to see Mo immediately. She never left me after all. And boy, has she grown. Hey campers, it's P.T. Logan, the writer and creator of Camp Fear. And I'm here with... Abby Logan, the soothing voice you hear. Each Camp Fear episode takes between 20 and 30 hours to make, from writing, to recording, to mastering. If you're enjoying this story and want to continue hearing more stories, please consider supporting the show. You can do this by heading to www.patreon.com slash campfearpodcast. With your parents' permission, of course. By supporting the show... You not only ensure that we'll continue to make more episodes, but you'll also get special perks. Like ad-free episodes, so you don't have to hear my dad's voice again. One more time, that's www.patreon.com slash campfearpodcast. See you there, campers! Part 3. Blood Mo's the size that Chester used to be. Her spear-like mouth that she uses to suck blood is as wide as my finger and twice as long. I'm so excited that I nearly dropped my bowl of cereal. Mo! Mo, I'm so glad you decided to stay. Mo flies up and down, and even though she can't speak, I know what she's saying. She's telling me that she's glad she decided to stay, too. And her eyes, I can see them now. They're big and black and beautiful. You must be hungry. I remove the bandage from my wrist, but I'm disappointed to see that the scratch has almost completely healed. I debate opening it up again, but Mo suddenly buzzes closer. She's not interested in my blood, and I don't know how much I can give. I still feel a little lightheaded from earlier. 
Chester suddenly hisses, and I look at the cat, who is covered in loose, hanging fur. That's why he looks so small, because Mo has been feeding on him. But Mo is still hungry, and if Chester has no more blood to give, and I can't feed her anymore... I look over at Aunt Mary, who continues to snore loudly on the couch. With every breath, the thick skin beneath her chin wobbles. Okay, okay. I nod in Aunt Mary's direction. But only a little, Mo. Only a little. Mo understands me and immediately flies over to my aunt. She hovers for a moment before lowering herself onto the woman's arm. The chair bends on that side from the excess weight. When Mo's mouth touches my aunt's skin, I look away. I never like needles, and this very much reminds me of one. The slurping noise that Mo makes is so loud that I go back to my cereal and eat to try and drown it out. It sounds like someone trying to drink an extremely thick milkshake through a tiny straw. I feel bad for my aunt, but Mo is my pet, my responsibility. I'm like her mother, and I have to look after her. When the only thing left in my bowl is a tiny bit of milk, I look up. My spoon slips from between my fingers, and milk drips from my lower lip. Aunt Mary is half the size she was moments ago. Her chubby arms are now wrinkled and thin, and her face has so much excess skin that it is impossible to find her chin. She looks like a human prune. And Mo, Mo's bigger. Mo's the size of a small dog now, its wings beating so fast and hard that I can feel the air hitting my face from across the room. That's enough, Mo! But Mo doesn't listen. I can see thick globs like marbles traveling from my aunt's skin through the spear and into Mo's mouth. Mo, please! But Mo still doesn't listen. I get to my feet and walk over, fighting the air from Mo's wings that seems to be trying to push me back. And all this time, as unbelievable as it sounds, Aunt Mary just continues to snore. Please! When Mo still doesn't move, I reach out and touch one of her wings. It's leathery, like my dad's old college jacket. I hate to do this, but if Mo keeps drinking, I fear that Aunt Mary will stop snoring, but won't wake up. I swat at Mo, not hard, not designed to hurt her, but just to get her to move. She continues to drink. Mo! I swat again, harder this time. Mo's spear comes out of my aunt's skin with a loud slurp. And then she hovers in the air like before. You can't have any more. I'm sorry. Mo flies up and down, awaiting instructions for what to do next. And then it occurs to me. No matter how much it hurts, I know that the time has come. My mom told me that in every parent's life, there is a moment when you realize that your children have outgrown you and your home, and that they must be set free to live their own lives. As short as my time with Mo has been, it has come to an end. Crying now, I gesture back towards my room and the open window. I hope she can still fit out. You have to go. Mo's dark eyes stare at me. She understands, but she doesn't want to leave. You have to go, Mo. I'm so sorry. She comes close to me, and her leathery wings graze the back of my arms like a hug. Then Mo flies to my room and squishes her thick body out of the window. I'm about to sit on my bed and cry some more when I hear the sound of her wings. 
Mo returns to the window one last time. Bye, Mo. I'll miss you. I don't know what happened last night, but Aunt Mary says she's never slept so well in her whole life. And I don't know how it's possible, but it looks as if she's lost 30 pounds overnight. I slurp my cereal and shrug. I didn't do anything. My dad doesn't believe me, of course, but I don't feel in the mood to talk. I miss Mo. My dad sighs. <sighs> I'll be working another double again tonight. I'm sorry, sweetie. I'll see if Aunt Mary can look after you. When he comes and kisses me goodbye, I look him directly in the eyes. Dad, are you sure I can't have a pet? Riley, we've been over this. I'm sorry, but no pets. I just don't have the time. Okay, fine. Before school, I tidy up my room. I make my bed, put my PJs away, and then I see the glass container that had once been Moe's home. It makes me sad. But when I pick up the little cup of water, I see that none of it has been drunk. This is no surprise. But what is surprising is what I see in the water. Something appears to be moving. I pick up the cup and look a little more closely. That's when I notice the larvae. Six of them, to be exact. Six tiny little larvae in the water. Moe's babies. As I continue to stare, I think about Moe about how she'd been my first pet, about how difficult she'd been to raise. But that was before. I'm experienced now. The next thing I think about is where I'm gonna find all that blood to feed my new family. Well, campers, I hope you've enjoyed this true story. Looks like Riley found out the hard way that having a pet isn't necessarily all it's cracked up to be. Or maybe she's just getting ready for more. If one pet is a lot of fun, how much fun would six be? Plenty. Well that's it for me, for Mr. Wait, you know my name already, don't you? Of course you do. I'll see you next week, campers. And for all of you with pets, don't forget to watch them at all times. Because you never know what they'll get up to next. Or how big they can get. Camp Fear. Where you bring your fears and leave in tears. Camp Fear, the podcast, is a PTL Books and Pathological Inc. production. Story and audio editing by Patrick Logan. Vocals by Abby Logan. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. Campers, you can also email host at campfearpodcast.com and share your worst fear. You never know, one day you might be featured in your very own Camp Fear story. You can also visit our website, www.campfearpodcast.com to get your own Camp Fear merchandise and to grab the Camp Fear books. Copyright Patrick Logan, 2021. All rights reserved.